This podcast was recorded from our weekly live stream. To watch this video or see other episodes of The Spiritual Journalist, head to thespiritualjournalist.com or find me on YouTube. You can find a link in the show notes. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Spiritual Journalist. I am so grateful you found us here. Today's conversation is one that I've been wanting to have for a while, and I'm really looking forward to the insight that our guest, Riva Jean-Paul, is going to bring today. We're talking all about the importance and the need for diversity in the spiritual space, why representation is so important as we're building these spiritual communities. I am working on building my own online community with all of you through The Spiritual Journalist, and it's very important to me that this space feels inclusive, welcoming to everybody, and that this is a space where we are open to new perspectives, open to different points of view, and where we share diverse voices. So today's conversation is long overdue and is the beginning of a more diverse approach to these spiritual conversations. So let's dive right in. I've always been a deeply curious person, talking with anyone who would listen and soaking in as much information as possible. So it's no surprise my love for storytelling led me to a career in journalism. But after nearly a decade working in newsrooms across the West Coast, I realized I wanted to start asking questions you probably wouldn't see on your local news. So I left my job as a morning TV reporter and started The Spiritual Journalist. This isn't just a YouTube channel, podcast, website, or social media page. This is a live conversation where you get to ask questions too, because I'm not the expert. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. My goal is to connect you with people who have profound experiences and inspirational stories to share. And we'll definitely mix a little astrology in too. So if you're like me, you have this insatiable curiosity and you love deep conversations too, well, this is the place for you. Together each week, we'll explore everything from crystals and tarot to mental health and the environment. There are no wrong questions here. My ultimate goal is for you to come away from each episode with a new perspective and an expanded consciousness. This is a channel for the collective. This is a community for the curious. This is The Spiritual Journalist. Good morning. Good morning, Olivia. How are you? So great. I'm so thankful you agreed to sign on to this conversation that's not necessarily the easiest or lightest conversation to have, um, but you know, I meant to be. This was meant to happen today. Um, so I also want to preface before we get going that I want this conversation to feel open and I want you, the viewer, to be able to ask questions and provide your input. So as we get talking, please feel free to ask your questions or if there's a light bulb that goes off, throw it in the comments. We'll be interacting with you, responding with you out of all of our conversations so far. I really want this one to feel collaborative. And also, Reva, we're going to get into your birth chart in just a second, but you have a lot of Libra placements, which yeah. I know means you're probably not a huge fan of conflict. But if there's anything I say at all during this conversation that is um, maybe 
not the, the best way of putting things or maybe I have a blind spot that I'm not realizing. This is your free pass, Reva, to just like, tell me how it is, okay? <laughs> I appreciate that, thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, before I let you introduce yourself, my mm -hmm. favorite thing to do to start these conversations is to show everybody a peek at your birth chart because astrology rules everything I do and I think it's a fun way to dive deep into you and who you are as a person. Absolutely. Okay, so we know you're a Libra, you know this. Um, but you actually have what's called a stellium in Libra. So that's three or more planets in the same sign. So, I mean, you are very Libra, like Libra energy for sure. Uh, and you have a Mercury in Libra too, which is how you communicate, how you think. I also have my Mercury in Libra. So on social media, which is how we first connected, you come across very fair, very balanced, very gentle. You're very eloquent with your words. And your Mars is also in Libra, same with mine. So you probably take action from a very balanced place and really try to see all sides of the situation before you just jump headfirst into something. Does that sound like you? Oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so that stellium is in your 11th house of community and humanitarian causes, I should say. So. Community is probably very important to you, especially with your son in that 11th house. You probably feel um, like you can express yourself the most when you're around a community that feels aligned with you. Mm -hmm. And also all of your actions, all of your words probably are backed up by this sense of creating community and wanting to bring people together, wanting mm -hmm. to share and act on causes that are really close to your heart. Uh, so very perfect for what we're doing here today. Yeah, absolutely. And then you also have another stellium in Capricorn in your second house. Mm -hmm. um, so you have your Uranus, your Saturn, and your Neptune in Capricorn. It's very much about uh, financial stability, financial wealth, manifestation financially, and with your physical surroundings, physical abundance. Uh, and you probably have big dreams, plans, visions when it comes to work and when it comes to the physical you're calling into your life. 100%. Your, <laughs> yeah. Your rising sign is in Scorpio, which is yeah. interesting, but also really cool because Scorpio risings, um, it's nice that you have all that gentle Libra energy underneath the surface and your sun in Libra because Scorpio risings can be a little bit intimidating or like, oh, what's going on beneath the surface there? I think for you though, your Scorpio rising kind of shows up as um, more depth and spirituality right off the bat. Like when you meet you, you're like, okay, this girl, there, there's there's depth here. She's a spiritual person. Like she's got intuition. You, you kind of get that right off the bat with you. I love that. And, and then your moon is in Gemini in your seventh house. So when it comes to your emotions, you probably like to talk things out a bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, conversation is probably really nurturing for you, very important to you. But also your moon is in your seventh house of partnerships. And really in all of your major placements, there's like this huge theme of partnership, collaboration, uh, you know, 
I, I see you really trying to create those connections with other people and those connections will bring you success, will kind of um, frame the story of your life, I think, in a lot of ways. But yeah, between the Libra energy, which is all about relationships, all about relating to other people, and then your moon in Gemini, also friend groups nurture you probably when it comes to that Gemini moon, having a solid friend group around you. That's probably important to you. And I think it's also interesting that your Venus is in your first house in Sagittarius. So I see this being like, you are a passionate lover. Like Venus in the first house is like love first. I show up with love always, you know, putting mm -hmm. that passion, that love, and then being a Libra, um, you know, there is that Venus energy that's very potent for you. So many planets in your second house, which is ruled by Venus. You're just a very Venetian person. <laughs> <laughs> All love. I love astrology. Then, I know, I know. And then the last couple of things I'll point out, your ruling planet is actually Pluto because your Scorpio or your ascendant is in Scorpio. And Pluto is in the 12th house in Scorpio. So as much as there's this like love and light, beauty, Libra, balance, relationship, energy, there's also this part of you that craves depth and craves transformation and wants to go deep with people. And being in the 12th house with that Pluto sign there is this need for a spiritual connection and that spiritual connection will really dominate and frame frame your life in a lot of ways wow that pretty much sums it up yeah yeah so <laughs> Um, your, your North node, the last thing I'll point out is in Aquarius. So this is your purpose in life. This is your direction. And that will come from being open-minded, seeing other perspectives. And I think as we'll learn in this conversation, I have a feeling that that has already, um, really led you in the direction and on, on the path you're already on. Beautiful. I love that you do that. Thanks. Do you have any other questions before we you know, this is kind of the like light, easy stuff, just talking about the fun part of your chart. <laughs> Do you have any other questions? No, no questions right now. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. So let's just dive right into our conversation then. And to start, I would love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, even though we already know your astrological <laughs> makeup. Um, how do you want people to know you and know about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was born in San Diego, California at a Naval Hospital. Both of my parents are retired Navy. Uh, I grew up there for about nine years. And then my dad was stationed to Puerto Rico. So my family and I moved there and I lived on a military base in Puerto Rico for a couple of years. Uh, after that, my parents split and I moved to Kent, Washington with my mom and my brother. It's about 20 minutes outside of Seattle. And that's where I grew up, I went to junior high and high school there. And then around 19, it kind of became clear that I wasn't really, um, my path up there wasn't really going anywhere. And so uh, my parents kind of gave me the choice to go to college in California or to join the Air Force. And clearly I chose going to college in California. Um, I wound up kind of making my way to Sacramento, kind of really just um, by a bit of a whim. But when I look back now, I can really see that um, I was very clearly being guided 
I ended up going to Sacramento State for a couple of years, and um, I actually wound up dropping out of the program because I got involved in the artistic scene here in Sacramento. I became involved in the nightlife scene and the rape community, and that's actually where I found hula hooping, and that was kind of what started my first spiritual awakening, if you will. I feel like I really didn't understand um, consciousness before I picked up a hula hoop, which is kind of crazy, but um, that's the reality of my my journey. Um, from there, I went to uh, went along to start a hoop troop, and I ran that locally here in California for about six years. We did performance art and interactive entertainment throughout the area. We worked at concert in the parks, uh, the This Is Midtown block parties. If you're local to Sacramento, I'm sure you remember us being out in an event somewhere. Um, and then COVID hit, and that completely changed the whole arts industry and the events industry. Um, while I was also running that business, I was a certified group fitness instructor and trainer. Um, and that industry was also completely dismantled with COVID. And it gave me this really amazing opportunity to pivot. I wound up getting into women's circles and health retreats and decided to take more of my focus towards health coaching versus fitness instruction. And it's kind of just been um, snowballing from there. I'm about a year or two into doing the women's circles, retreats, and the spiritual health coaching is what I'm focusing primarily now with women. Your story, I know that was just a quick snapshot of yeah, it, but you quick. have, I know, you have lived so many places, you've been embedded in different cultures, it sounds like, and, and then you've also just, it seems like kind of allowed the universe, God, spirit to kind of show you the way. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned picking up a hula hoop, and that is when you understood consciousness. Talk to me about that moment, and, and what was the, the shift or the light bulb that went off that made you see things differently? Sure, so I mean, it was really kind of a, a process. I remember the first time I started hula hooping. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, like many of us, I'm sure, have experience. When you do it as an adult, it's much different from when you're doing it as a child. Often, we just need the right size hula hoop, I went on to learn. Um, but it was very frustrating at first. But I saw a couple of my friends around me doing it and having a great time. And there was this really beautiful community around hooping as well. It was very welcoming, um, very loving. And I had never really experienced something like that before. Um, I stuck with the practice, and I remember my first trick. It's called the lift off, and it's when you're waist hooping and you use your hand to take the hoop from off of your waist to above your head, spinning around your your four fingers. And that was kind of what really opened the door for me to possibility and to just showing up um, consistently and growing through a practice. I had never really experienced something like that before. And I, I don't know if I can really articulate what about it that made me realize what consciousness was, but you could see it in just the way that I started speaking and the books I was reading. I became very, um, very uh, drawn to, I started reading like Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown and, and things like that. So that's kind of where um, it, it started for me. You know, I think it's interesting because a lot of your work revolves around the body and those practices and you show up on social media and you and really encourage people to take care of their bodies and take time for their bodies. And so much of the time when we talk about consciousness, it's all about the mind, right? Or even 
a lot of people go through you know a mental health crisis or a really trying time for their mental state to open them up to the idea of consciousness but it seems like for you it was almost that like being able to free your body allowed you to open your mind does that sound right or yeah, what one hundred percent. Um, even before I was into hula hooping, I'd always had a yoga practice that I kind of bounced in and out of. And movement for me really is um, it's it's a direct connection to the divine and to source. So I feel like when especially when I'm dancing or when I'm really in a yoga flow or when I'm with my hula hoop, I do truly feel connected to to source or the, to divine or whatever you want to call it. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. So you have this hoop troupe. Um, you're doing more community events. You're starting to host circles or um, classes or, or whatever it is at, at whatever point in your spiritual journey. When did you start to realize, you and I have talked about this before, um, you know, you're showing up to these spaces and it wasn't looking as maybe diverse as you had hoped it would. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because when I look back, I see some of these same issues um, in the art scene and in the hooping community. Um, and when I first got started, it wasn't something that was at the forefront of my mind. I feel like I was still really trying to, to find myself and to align with my passions and my interests. But once I started um, more recently hosting the women's circles, I noticed within the first event um, how um, disproportionate the, the populations of women that were coming. Mm -hmm. And describe that to me. Like, what did that experience feel like when you first started uh, having that realization? I wondered where all of the other women of color were. When I looked around, the circle is primarily white women, um, primarily not always blonde, but you know, that tends to be the, the stereotypical image of um, the spiritual community most of the time, for better or worse. And um, yeah, I just noticed that there were a lot of people missing from these circles. And it really made me curious as to why they weren't coming and what I could do to create a more inclusive environment so that these women didn't want to come to these sorts of gatherings. Right. And I've noticed that too, honestly, um, you know, I, I being completely vulnerable and I've shared this with you before, I realized I needed to have this conversation as I'm building this community of the spiritual journalist because, you know, my first season, if you will, my first 10 episodes at the end of 2021, my goal was to bring women on who inspired me or sparked something in me on my spiritual journey. And every single one of the women in those first 10 episodes um, helped me along the way or, or sh showed me the way in, in one sense or the other. But as I looked back, I was like, oh, all, these are all white women. The, and I mean, not, you know, all blonde white women, but definitely Eurocentric or white women. And I was like, this is not the image that I, not even just for the optics of it, but you know, this, as I'm building a community, it's important that someone comes to my website or my page and sees themselves. Mm -hmm. And I realized the reason that I was 
drawn to these women and and there's nothing each of these women are fabulous and wonderful and have an amazing light in the world and are very inclusive in their own communities but i realized the reason i was drawn to them and i felt inspired by them is because i saw myself in them i could resonate with them it was very easy for me to be like oh she's doing that i can do that too and then i noticed okay if i'm not bringing people who don't look like me on people who don't look like me aren't going to see themselves in this community. So, you know, that was really my big moment of okay, I have to do something differently. But now that we're here and we're having this conversation, what does that actually look like, right? How do you make sure that you're being inclusive and that in in-person events or virtual events that you are bringing in a diverse group of women? Have you figured out ways to um, kind of tackle that issue or reach out to more diverse people when you are putting out information about your events or marketing? Yeah, so one of the first things that I started doing was really being intentional about the collaborative teams that I was putting together. Um, as you said, it's important for everyone to be able to look in these communities and see themselves reflected in it. And so I really tried my best to create teams that represented different parts of the community. So if you look at the group of facilitators for our Spring Equinox retreat coming up, we have um, myself, a biracial woman. We have Heidi, who is a white woman. Um, we also have a chef and a massage therapist who are both um, Hispanic from Mexican descent. And then our sound healer is a black woman. And that was something that I really... Um, was intentional about during that process was like, okay, how can we have um, a little piece of everyone um, here in this event? And so that's something that I've really tried to keep in mind going forward. Um, and it goes beyond just the representation piece as well. I mean, it goes um, a little bit further, just kind of what we're doing right now, you even approaching me and starting this conversation. I think that's a big part of it too, is just even um, bringing it up. And then from there, it's up to us to really um, almost kind of go out of our way to, to engage with people from different backgrounds. I think you have to really look around at the tables that you're sitting around and ask yourself like, okay, who is missing from this table? And you might have to do a little bit of work or a little bit of digging, um, but I do think it's, it's up to us if we notice it to go out and really try to engage and connect with these communities as well. Absolutely, and I think it's honestly easier to do that now more than ever with social media, being intentional about the connections you're creating. You know, you and I connected on social media, and now we have this, we're having this collaboration, we have this budding friendship that's starting up. So, you know, I think personally it can be very intimidating to feel like you're walking into a situation where you're the minority when you're used to being not the minority, right? Um, mm -hmm. But part of spiritual ascension, part of personal growth is being uncomfortable and being willing to go there. So, um, you know, if anybody's watching and like, I don't know how to expand my community, I would just remind you that it's not going to be comfortable at all, right? You also touched on something else that I think is worth exploring here. You are biracial and 
you know, being a Libra, I think it's kind of just so representative <laughs> of being, even just being like biracial, right? Like being able to see two different perspectives or multiple different perspectives. But how has that shown up for you maybe differently than someone who is 100% Hispanic or 100% white or really identifies with one culture or another? How does that make things a little bit different in your experience? It definitely does make it a little bit more complicated sometimes because I feel like um, like I'm I'm both, but I'm also neither. There are aspects of me that are deeply connected to Black women, and then there are aspects of me that are deeply connected to white women as well. And so it's it's definitely been a challenge for me, um, more so personally. I try not to really let it affect my um, interactions with people in my day to day. But internally, it's definitely something that I've, I've struggled with and, and still do to this day. But I also know that there's a lot of strength in being able to see both sides. And that's really what I tried to lean into now. Have you ever felt like um, for example, if you have gone to an event with primarily women of color that maybe, you know, I've heard just from, you know, my partner is biracial and he has described the same exact thing, feeling like you don't belong to either, but you don't belong to both. And he has explained to me, you know, I feel like I'm not Hispanic enough to identify with people who are really in to Hispanic culture or speak the language. Do you ever feel like that showing up to events that are either kind of primarily white or primarily women of color that maybe you're not as, I guess not white because let's be honest, we don't really have like a super strong culture as white people. <laughs> but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Just kind of, do you ever feel like you're not showing up or as ingrained into your culture as maybe people expect you to be or want you to be? Definitely. Um, I would say that, um, you know, in, in my past growing up, I was actually, I was made fun of for not being black enough, if you will. And um, it really just comes back to how I was raised. And for me, I never saw it as um, acting any particular way. I've, I've simply always just been myself and acted the way um, that my parents brought me to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I have kept in mind and something that I've had to really be mindful of. And as, you know, my own journey has gone on, I've really worked on um, honoring my lineage as well and looking back into my roots and asking myself, like, okay, why am I disconnected from this culture? And there are things that I do now in my own practices where I really try to to lean into my, my lineage and to my own culture as well. My dad's from Haiti, so that's um, a bit of a background on that. That's so cool. So have you kind of taken it upon yourself to learn about Haitian culture then that wasn't really taught to you through your dad or through your family growing up? Yes, absolutely. And there are things like um, for New Year's, for example, there's a, a traditional soup that's made on the first day of the year in um, Haitian culture. And this is the second year that I've, I've made the soup. And I do, it does make me feel more connected to my lineage when I do practices like that. I think this is a really good point in the conversation to talk about not to like dampen this beautiful practice, but to talk about generational trauma. Like, let's just put it out there because 
Um, I, I don't think it matters what background you come from. Everybody has generational trauma in one way or another. And, you know, I, I, as I come into this conversation, I'm really thinking a lot about why. Why we have kind of these silos in the spiritual community because I know and I've seen it and I have, you know, followed accounts where it, it, there are like beautiful communities of women of color who like really come together and have these spiritual events. And not to say that they don't include white women or white women aren't part of it, but you know, you, you see that too. You see kind of mm -hmm. these silos of women of color really calling in each other, supporting each other. And then, of course, this whole like white women complex of, you know, the blonde white spiritual women all coming together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a conversation here about why we are kind of called to people who might have similar generational patterns as us because a lot of spiritual work is about generational trauma and releasing that and acknowledging that and observing that. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, of course, this is a stereotype, but a broad assumption to make is that people of color tend to have more intense or recent generational trauma than white people, right? So how do you think generational trauma plays into this whole issue of a lack of representation or diversity or even just collaboration in the spiritual community? I do think that it, um, it can keep us divided um, and separated because I've, I've, I've specifically talked to other women of color in this community that have just flat out told me that they don't feel safe in a circle of primarily white women. And I think that that is a very clear example of how the generational trauma still shows up in our world today. And for me, I really feel like we need unity to be able to heal and move forward and continuing to stay separated isn't going to change anything. I think we're a lot easier to control when we're divided um, and really it's always going to be playing out in some shape or form, whether it's race or it's socioeconomic level or, you know, we're even seeing it now with the vaccines and whatnot. And so I think it's really up to us to be able to see these patterns and how they're playing out in our day to day and to really do the deep inner work and the work outside of ourselves as well to really try to to heal these patterns so we can move forward. Otherwise, I think we'll just continue to stay separated and continue to stay divided. You know, I've had that thought as well because I want to be sensitive and I want to hold space for people's experience and the trauma that they're still carrying in their bodies. You know, trauma is very much rooted in the body and in the DNA. And if even four generations ago, your great, great, great grandparent was sold into slavery, you're going to carry that trauma in your body, you know, and I, I, I acknowledge that and I understand how much, I mean, I don't, understand personally, but I can understand how much that would still affect somebody and, and I can't relate in that way. Um, but as, I mean, I don't know if you've looked far enough back in your lineage to maybe identify generational trauma from, from long ago or anything like that, but if you were speaking to other women of color, what advice do you give them as far as 
trying to feel more comfortable integrating in these spaces together and not even just giving advice to women of color, but women in general or people in general, like how can we all make space for everybody else's experience and also move forward at the same time and kind of come to that place of unity like you were just saying? I think it's important that we kind of go out of our way to really um, make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who look differently than us, who think differently than us. I think it's so easy to get caught in our own little circles and get your blinders on. And we really have to um, go out of our way sometimes, like I said, to to make sure that you're connecting with people who have different perspectives than you. And for women who feel unsafe in these areas, I think it's important to definitely honor your own intuition and your body and whatever's coming up for you. But also like asking yourself like, okay, where does this pattern come from? And is this true? And maybe putting yourself in places if you, but it's, you gotta find that sweet spot between what's comfortable and what's uncomfortable. But it's, I have so many beautiful relationships with, with white women who I love deeply and who I trust deeply and that have been very supportive and loving in my life. And so it's it's important to be able to, to take a bit of a risk to see that, okay, like I can be in these spaces and I can feel safe and seen and supported. And on the other hand, for women who are more Eurocentric, I think it's important to, to listen and to really try to understand some of the struggles that these women have gone through and putting your own discomfort um, aside and really just coming from a place of deep listening and curiosity and really trying to truly understand these women's struggles and these women's challenges. You know, the word you keep using like is safety and feeling safe, feeling unsafe. And in women's groups, in women's circles, women's events, or just spiritual events in general, I think safety is a core principle because you really can't experience transformation or release or even connection to spirit if you don't feel safe. And as you're saying this, you know, of course, I'm like, how do I make people who don't look like me feel safer in my presence? And how do I make sure they feel safe coming to events or conversations or whatever? But also, I think there is something to be acknowledged. Um, you know, this is very, you know, this is uncomfortable for me to share. I'm just gonna, just gonna say that, putting it out there. <laughs> so, you know, of course, I am white. My grandma is white. My mom is white. And my grandma was, you know, grew up in the 50s in the Bay Area. And she'll still use terms that are not, uh, no longer acceptable, that maybe were mainstream when she was a teenager. And she still has a very different view of the world. And I do try to tell her, like, hey, don't say that. Or, you know, I know it's not coming from a place of hate. It's mm -hmm. just what she knows. It's just the world that she understands and knows how she was educated, how she was brought up. And I've started to see, especially as many of us have had kind of the, the covers pulled 
over our eyes or whatever you want to call it, have had this awakening over the past couple years, the pandemic really fueling this awareness of the fact that people of color are affected differently by everything mm -hmm. in this country than white people are, whether it's access to vaccines, whether it's how they are affected by this virus just genetically, you know, whether it's the ability to go into lockdown and be safe rather than go out and, and you know, have a, a job. Or, or be in the community. So, you know, I, I think when we're talking about safety, for me, I don't inherently feel safe broaching those conversations with people who don't look like me. And I really do believe that that is carried down, right, from these subconscious inherent beliefs that my grandmother passed down to my mother. My mother doesn't even realize sometimes that she has a bit of maybe I don't want to call her a racist, but a little bit like a racist point of view sometimes without even realizing it. And so I have to be the one, if I want to stop those patternings, to be very consciously aware. And so there is part of me that maybe doesn't 100% feel fully safe approaching a group that doesn't look like me or inviting someone who is very different from me to have a conversation. And I'm sure women of color feel similarly for their own reasons and the own, you know, experiences they carry in their bodies. You are someone who really talks about routine and the body and um, feeling safe in your own body. How do we get out of that place in our body where we're like, oh, anxiety, like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to offend anybody. How do we push ourselves past that point? Wow. Well, I think it's a lot of um, practice, you know, um, really just getting yourself out there and putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations. And the more you expose yourself to those situations, the more that you'll realize like, oh, I, I can feel safe in these situations. Um, a lot of times these things play out in our mind and it's important to really look into that as well, looking at how your own biases are affecting your decisions. Um, there's this test, I can um, share it with you later after the show if you're interested, but there are actual tests that you can take online to help you see some of the uh, areas where you might be having a personal bias. And it's not even to just um, based off of race, it can be based off of gender as well and ageism, like all of these different ways that we um, keep ourselves separated. Um, there's other ways to bring in diversity too. And I think it's important again, just to really practice, you know, and with practice and repetition, it gets a little bit better. I think always coming back to the breath as well. I think sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. And your breath is something that's accessible to you in any and every moment. And does it cost anything to use? You don't have to go anywhere. You don't need any special equipment. Just coming back to deep belly breathing is a really quick and easy way to soothe your nervous system and to drop out of the mind and, and into the body. And the breath is something that connects us all regardless of our gender identity, our race, our socioeconomic status. You know, I think that's such a beautiful thing to remember. And uh, you know, when you're talking about gender expression too, there tends there can be silos in that aspect as well. So as we're having this conversation, it's not just about what we look like, you know, it's about how we identify as well. And I want to make that clear. This isn't just about diversity racially, it's about diversity in general. Like it's so important when we're talking about spiritual concepts, when we're talking about astrology, to have other perspectives because 
I am only seeing through my eyes, you know, I'm only seeing through the eyes that I was born with in this lifetime and they happen to belong to this body with this skin tone that has given me a lot of privilege, you know, and so that's, that's something that I try to be very mindful of, like my perspective is limited. I need to have people who are different from me to share their perspectives. You know, both of us are very, we have our Mercury in Libra, both of us were like very love and light, you know, it's all good, all love. But I actually had a really insightful conversation just the other day with someone I'm working on collaborating with and they're, they were born in Mexico, so they're Hispanic. And they actually like, I mean, they screened me. They definitely screened me before they agreed to work with me. And I totally get it because they told me, you know, I have had a lot of white women, love and light white women, reach out to me to be featured on their shows or their podcasts or whatever. And I know that they are reaching out to me specifically because they want me to fill this gap of the brown trauma perspective. Mm -hmm. And they told me, I, I think it's really important in any conversation that you're having with someone that you're not just acknowledging the love and light and the oneness and the unity, which is what spirituality is about. It's what we all crave and what we all want on a deep level. But how important do you, do you think it is to also address the darkness that many of us experience or the, the struggle that specifically people of color might experience more than white people? I think it's extremely important. I mean, I, I do believe that it's it's a conversation that can't be had until, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you've really looked at your own biases and how these patterns are playing out in your own life and um, taking the time to have conversations with people who have been treated differently and just and just listening and really trying to understand some of the challenges and the struggles. I think it's it's the thing that needs to happen first before you're able to to move forward or to expand your community. And I also think it's really important to ask yourself like why? Like why why now am I just interested in this? And if you're genuinely interested in it, then great. But like you mentioned, there are times and situations where people are just trying to check a box or fill the token, you know, black person. And it's it's important that we're coming from the heart and that we're coming into it with the best intentions and that we're not wanting to just be on the right side of things because i think that happens a lot too where you know you don't want to be racist so okay let me go affiliate myself with these people so i look good to the people looking in on me i think it's it's really important to to make sure that you're not coming from that place and that you're coming from the heart and from a place that's true and really um really caring for the person on the other end genuinely caring and wanting to build connection definitely i think it's really easy especially in the spiritual space to you know this term that's been coined recently like spiritually bypass right like mm -hmm. we're all the same we're all love we're all this it doesn't matter if you know the color of someone's skin which truly deep down it doesn't it doesn't right. to me you know but unless we can actually acknowledge the programming that we were born with and that we were raised around, um, you know, I, I don't think things will actually get a whole lot better as quickly as a lot of us would like them to. I think it's also interesting because, um, you know, not everybody wears their race or their identity on their skin. 
And so how do we be more mindful of not just, you know, collaborating with people based on what they look like, but also based on maybe their culture or their beliefs or, you know, I would love with this show to look into eventually other types of spirituality. You know, there's this woman I follow who's really into like voodoo type stuff. And I'm like, yes, I am all about that. Like, let's learn about it. So how important do you think it is to go beyond just appearance and what's obvious and really dig deep into someone's um, background before you decide to collaborate that with them or, you know, form a relationship with them? I mean, I honestly feel like before you dive into the background, maybe you just dive into the person and just who they are as an individual and, and going from there because there are going to be, you know, people who are maybe not meant for you. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong or bad about that. It's just energy. Some people are meant for others and other people are not. And so I think leaning into that connection first and then making the background um, more of the conversation, but starting with the person first, because behind all these identifiers, um, there is a person behind them. And I think that's where it needs to start. I think on a spiritual level too, it's easy for a lot of highly spiritual people to say, you know, even if they were born in this lifetime, you know, as a white person, they, I've heard before people say, well, in a past life, I was this, or in a past life, I actually was a black woman or whatever. Um, you know, how much weight do you think that holds when we have issues that are very pressing at this moment in this lifetime? Um, I don't think that it needs to be at the forefront of the conversation. I think um, there's a thing called centering, white centering, and it's where you take the conversation off of the person who is going through the struggle or the challenge and placing your discomfort or your own experience over that person's experience. So by saying, oh, I know what that's like because I've been a black person in my past life. I mean, while it might hold true for you, you really have to think of like how that's received to the person on the other end. I mean, in, in some ways you could be really just disregarding their experience when we do that. And I think it's important in the same breath to acknowledge, um, again, going back to the body, right? Like this body you were born in carries very physical um, energy and DNA and representations of your physical lineage here in this lifetime. Maybe that wasn't connected to your past life as an Egyptian or whatever you were in a past yeah. life. Um, but I, I think it's important to acknowledge too, right, that whoever you're talking to, if you're having that conversation, is still carrying things in this body, in this lifetime. And I, I really love your um, you sharing that white centering perspective too, because, you know, I think that that's a form of spiritual bypass that I have seen and witnessed. And it's got me thinking like, okay, well, how do you be sensitive when you really do believe that you've been all these different people in past lives, you know, and that you feel that experience? How do you be sensitive to people right here, right now? You know, as I was brainstorming for this and just kind of jotting down thoughts, I wrote something down that I want to share. 
that just kind of came through to me. I wrote, in order to heal the world, we must truly see the world. And I know that people in the spiritual space want, you know, this, this concept we keep coming back to of unity and oneness and we want peace on earth and we want everybody to raise their consciousness and awaken and have the same goal. But I don't know if that's possible unless we can actually acknowledge the experiences people are going through that are very real as we speak right now. You know, it's so easy to walk up to another person who you know has privilege and say like, oh, we'll just read this book or try this thing or have you tried meditation or have you tried tapping? Have you tried these things? But I think it's also important to acknowledge that a lot of people of color um, maybe A, don't have access to those resources or are dealing with really real shit that I can't even comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, being able to work on yourself to some degree is a bit of a privilege because like you said, there are people who are facing bigger problems and bigger challenges than um, a limiting belief they're having about themselves. I don't know. I can't think of another example right now. And not to discredit inner work or say it's not important because I do think it's part of the process. But you know, these issues are very, um, they're very complex, you know, and sometimes it's not always a clear answer. Um, but I think that the more that we have these conversations and the more that we start to explore our own patterning and how we're showing up in our lives, um, that'll allow us to, to hopefully move forward in some ways. I've had this thought of, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing this massive rise of, you know, this Eurocentric white woman feminist um, wave of people getting into the spiritual community. It's no secret over the past three, four years that so many women who look like me have quit their jobs and decided to become spiritual coaches or have this spiritual voice online. And part of me feels like also over the past three or four years, we've seen a huge rise in awareness about racial injustice in our country, about social injustice in our country. And I wonder if more people of color are focused on that. They're like, this is why we're here right now. Like this is our, jo not job, but you know, like this is our mission is to raise awareness about these things. And I wonder if that's why there's more of an influx of maybe white women coming into this space and, or if maybe that's just what I'm seeing. Do you think that there are more white women or do you think it's just that's what the Instagram algorithm is showing to me and you know what is coming into my awareness? The latter. I think it's what you're seeing um, and it's what the algorithm is portraying to you. It's what has been um, conditioned um, in us to, uh, to believe like what is the most typical person to be in this space. But if you do some digging and you look around, no, there are plenty of spiritual black women, there are plenty of spiritual Hispanic women, there are plenty of spiritual Asian women. And speaking of which, there's a Amora right now, she just said hello, and she's someone that I work with. She's a, a beautiful sound healer locally here in Sacramento. Hello, thank you for being here. And please, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you have any input, any questions for us, this is a good time to ask um, as we're kind of rounding out this conversation now. So, you know, I, I think one more thing that I would love to touch on is that with the whole goal of 
raising consciousness, right? Um, you know, I've, I've worked with some beautiful people who are, their whole goal is new earth, right? Raising the consciousness. I'm sure you've heard this. Can we even create new earth without intentionally being like radically inclusive because we have this vision of what we want the earth to be 4d 5d you know you can go deep into the spiritual space and learn about all these things learn about galactic beings and aliens and yada 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 but <laughs> right but can we actually like ground into new earth and ground light and do all these things without forcing ourselves to be inclusive i just feel like we can only reach so many people if we're not doing that yeah i mean we can't i mean it's it's the only way it's it's what is required for this new earth that we're creating is us coming together um and in more ways than one like i said it goes much further than just race we if you really look at it you can see all these ways that we are separated and we are divided and it really does require us um coming together to to create this new world where we're not ruled by by fear and separation and division, and we're coming together as as one. I mean, like I said, it's a complicated issue. If you look back in history, it's like there's there's always been this push and pull between the different aspects and different sides. But I think that there there is a way, and it's really up to us and to our generation to to do the work and to hopefully break the cycles that have been passed down to us. As you uh, are creating more events for women, intentionally being inclusive and diverse in those events. What is your hope and your goal in your career, in this mission that you have been called to, to execute? What vision are you holding for all of this work that you're doing? I envision a place where, um, I mean, specifically with my women's circles and retreats, where we're seeing all parts of the community represented. Um, there's this quote, and I, I forget who said it. I meant to look it up before we hopped on. But we really want our, our gatherings and our circles and our communities to represent the community, not a community. At this point, with the way your population is going, the, what is considered the minority is will no longer be the minority. It will be the majority. We're seeing diverse cultures growing and continuing to become um, the more prevalent race, if you will. And so I think it's important for us to really lean into um, bringing everyone together and having a little piece of everyone. That's that's what I envision is having spaces where we have equal amounts of all of the different types of women and all the different types of races um, coming together to learn from each other, to grow and really to heal and, and move forward and break these cycles. Absolutely. and. You know, for you, I mean, I'll just ask you to kind of think back to maybe a past version of yourself, maybe the little girl version of Riva who was trying to figure out where she belonged, who, what, what group she belonged to. As we're having more blending in this melting pot of the American culture, um, which is such a beautiful thing and really the foundation of this country, and I wish we could all hold that as like the main ideal here, right? How important is it, do you think, to have people who aren't just the token Hispanic person or the token black woman or the token queer person, but who are on a spectrum for little 
people watching or, or grown people watching who don't fall into one race or another. You know, can you speak specifically to kind of the biracial experience and how important it is for you to see both white women and black women? Or, you know, if you're half Hispanic, how important for you it is for you to see multiple aspects of yourself represented? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is definitely a key portion as well. I think it can be, like I said, complicated as um, a biracial person, but I think really leaning into to both sides. I mean, for many years, I wasn't tapped into my, my, my Haitian lineage and I wasn't really identifying with things culturally. And I had to go out of my way to make sure that I was seeing that and that I was connected to that. So I think it's, it's really important for us to, to lean into both aspects as well. And like I mentioned earlier, it might take going out of your way. It might take doing a little digging, but I think that it's, it's definitely worth it and it's, it's needed. And I think for those of us whose lineage probably holds some not nice things, right? I think a lot of, personally, I think a lot of white people don't feel called or intuitively connected to their past, especially, or, or their, you know, ancestors, especially people who are trying to ascend and trying to break generational patterns because... I, I mean, I haven't looked too far back into my family history because I've never really, like, felt connected to it you know I just kind of blend in in my community but I have a very strong feeling if I did take the time to go back I would probably find things that I was not proud of and so I think that's something to acknowledge as well it, it is important to know where you come from and after this conversation I'm like I need to go back and really you know I know I'm like of Italian descent and that's fun right I'm like oh my great-grandpa came from Italy like how fun pasta woo <laughs> but you know I think that it, it is important to know what again trauma, DNA, we're carrying in this body in this lifetime so we can know how to break generational patterns, how we can become more aware of those generational patterns. The last thing yeah. I want to ask you, mm -hmm. as you're cultivating these communities of women, these gatherings of women, and bringing in people who don't look like each other, who have very different backgrounds and life experiences, what do you notice about how the conversations or gatherings play out when there is more diverse voices in the circle? They're beautiful. They're such beautiful experiences. It becomes so clear how much we have to learn from each other and all of the patterning and the worry and the stress and the fear. Um, you know, after a few hours in a circle, it's it's gone and we're all connected and we're all one and I've seen so many beautiful friendships that have blossomed out of the gatherings I posted over the past year for women that that are completely different. Women who like if you if they were walking down the street, you would never pick them out to be friends, but they've been able to find a connection between each other. I think we're it's it can be challenging sometimes, but I think that there's some way we can connect with just about everyone. We're all ultimately human at the end of the day. Mm. Mm, I love that so much. And I'm excited to come to one of your gatherings and be in that environment because to be truthful, like I have been to circles with people who are of different backgrounds and things, but not intentionally, right? right. It wasn't like mm -hmm. an intentional part of creating that experience. So, all right, we will we'll hide Reva for a second until she can get herself situated again, hopefully join us again. 
at the end of all of these live conversations. I know, well said, Reva. It's like she dropped the mic, right? <laughs> she had this beautiful statement and then Mercury retrograde took over. Um, at the end of all of our live streams, I like to pull a card for our guest. And also as I'm shuffling, I'm gonna bring up Reva's Instagram as well so you can follow her, keep connecting with her. And she also has just the cutest Instagram. Here it is. Look at how cute. It's a revolution. The best Instagram name. So memorable too. All right, I'm just gonna start pulling cards. What do we need to know today? What do we need to know about creating a more diverse and inclusive experience with a spiritual journalist and with all of the events that we curate together and all of the energy we exchange together? Hmm, ah, oh, this is the perfect card. It always is, but especially this one. Okay, it is the Age of Light is the card we pulled. I'm using the Work Your Light Oracle deck by Rebecca Campbell. And the card we got is the Age of Light. You've been training for this for lifetimes is the message. So let's find it in the guidebook. Let's see what messages from spirit are coming through. Okay, let's read this description. The age of light, you've been training for this for lifetimes. Mystics and sages throughout the ages have predicted this period in history, and you decided to incarnate in the middle of it. There's no mistake that you were supposed to be here at this great time of change. If you've ever felt unprepared or daunted by the path that is calling you, know this. You have been training for this for lifetimes. You're way more than the days that have breathed through you in this life. You're also all of the lifetimes that came before. All of these experiences have polished your soul into the most magnificent expression that is your authentic self. Your soul has many facets. Imagine a fingerprint. Your soul is a million times more intricate than that. If you put together all of the fingerprints, all of the people you have been, you would not even get close to fathoming how much of a unique masterpiece you are. You came in with a clear soul plan. You came in with wisdom beyond your years. This is the part of you that longs to be seen. This is the part of you that is ready to step forward, that is ready to emerge. This is not the lifetime to stay hidden, but to step forth, be seen, and rise. How amazing that this is the card we pulled. So on point with everything we've talked about with Reva so far. And perfect timing, she's back. You gotta love a live stream. This is, this is the side effects of doing things live, but it makes things more interesting too. Um, while Reva gets situated, I'm gonna pull up more of her Instagram. Reva works a lot with the moon too, which I really appreciate. And Reva also talked about her spring equinox retreat that she'll be hosting on the spring equinox. If you're interested, it's going to be in Nevada City here outside of Sacramento. There are, I think are still a couple spots available for this retreat in Nevada City. That's a weekend long retreat. You can see there's 
paddleboard yoga. There's going to be a sound bath. There's going to be a chef with really nice, healthy food. Last year was so magical. Okay, so you went to the retreat last year. And, you know, Reva, Reva just talked about how bringing people together from different backgrounds really creates a more transformative experience. So if you can make it, if you can participate, it's an awesome way to connect with her, to get involved in her circle and in the inclusive community that she is actively creating. We'll see if the universe is going to... If Mercury is going to cooperate, Mercury retrograde and bring Reba back. But in the meantime, let's see if there's any more guidance that we need. All right, shuffling now. What message needs to come through? Okay, the card that I pulled is Imrama. Where are you being called to journey to? Oh, she's back. Okay, you're back. <laughs> I'm back. So sorry about that. My phone like overheated and then, um, yeah, we had some trouble, but my husband helped me. So I'm here now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yay. Yay to the husband. Yes. Um, and also I've just been singing her praises oh, while you've you. been, <laughs> while you've been getting that situated. We've talked about your spring equinox retreat coming up March 18th to the 20th, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. showed everybody where to find more information about that on your Instagram. Do you offer uh, breathwork one-on-one -on -one sessions or more workshops? I do. Yeah, I do one-on-one -on -one okay. sessions. I actually primarily do one-on-one -on -one, and then I do workshops um, from time to time as well, usually in correlation with the moon cycles. Yes, we talked about how you're always talking about the moon cycles with self-care, with wellness. Mm -hmm. Your your people are showing up for you in the comments too. Aww, so, thanks, loves. <laughs> uh, helping me fill in the gaps of things I don't know. And um, I I pulled a couple cards while you were getting situated, I'm just about to read the second card I pulled. So you came at the perfect time. Perfect. The first one was, I mean, so perfect. It was the age of light talking all about how we were called here at this specific time to raise consciousness and to use all the wisdom from our past lives to help create unity in this lifetime to bring in the age of light. The second card I pulled, which I haven't read yet, is Imrama which says, where are you being called to journey to? So let me find the description. And as I'm flipping through the book, if there is anything else that you want to mention about your offerings, about what's coming up, go for it. Sure, yeah. So you already mentioned the, the Spring Equinox Retreat that's going to be happening in March, the weekend of March 18th to March 20th. We're really excited. A couple of the women who are going to be facilitating are on right now, and I'm really looking forward to a lot of magic. You can find the link on my Instagram bio and also on my website at itsarevolution.com. Um, other than that, I have a really awesome offering that I'm going to be birthing into the world here at the end of the month. This is my three-month um, health program, and this is going to be for women, specifically spiritual, creative women who are wanting to le learn how to work with the moon cycles and how to create more consistency and more flow in their lives. So I've been, I've been working on that for a few months, and I'm really excited to be sharing more about that soon. I struggle with that, and you are a really gentle encourager of consistency, so I appreciate that. Okay, 
Let's read this card description. Here we go. Imrama, where are you being called to journey to? The Celtic word Imrama means a journey of the soul, a voyage on which we don't know where we're going, but our soul knows the way. If you pulled this card, you are either being called on a soul journey or you're already on one. It could be a physical ancient place or metaphoric. When we journey to places that our soul remembers, a shift takes place both within us and to the planet as well. You're being called to journey to a place that is sacred to your soul. Perhaps it is to journey to see the world's sacred sites or called to cross the country, climb a mountain, lie on the desert floor, or drink from an ancient well. There are places to see and old friends to meet. I see spontaneous pilgrimages in your future. If a physical voyage isn't possible, journey through the portal of your heart. Follow the invisible soul trail and be willing to explore. Maybe read a book or watch a movie about a sacred time or place. Or perhaps you're being called to study an ancient lineage or body of work. Whatever your circumstances, your soul is ready to journey deep. Another perfect card for everything we just talked about. Yeah, most definitely. Definitely that encouragement. As I had the aha moment during our conversation of, I need to look back into my lineage, right? Like I need to acknowledge whatever's going on <laughs> that I'm not seeing. Um, so great encouragement. I love when that happens. It always happens with the cards, you know. It does. But <laughs> it always, always. Uh, well, Reva, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's been super eye-opening for me, super enlightening, and... I just really appreciate your willingness to be open and vulnerable and share your own experiences and hopefully help other people see things in a new light. Yeah, I can only hope so. I really appreciate you having me. This is like a bit of a dream come true for me and um, being able to talk about these issues is also really important and near and dear to my heart. And um, I'm happy that you're, you've given the opportunity to have these discussions. I think they're important and I really appreciate you doing that. Well, let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep collaborating, keep bringing our communities together and calling in more people who want to do the same. I think this is just the beginning of what we can create together. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And to you who joined in, thank you so much for being here and showing up with an open heart and an open mind. You are part of this mission as well. And I want you to feel included here. I want you to feel involved in the conversation. So I just really thank you for showing up for your highest self today as well. We'll be back next week with more conversations on The Spiritual Journalist. Thank you so much. One more time, Reva. You are the best. And until I see you next time, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode of The Spiritual Journalist, you can find more on thespiritualjournalist.com or you can listen to our conversations wherever you enjoy podcasts. And if you want to learn more about astrology, join me live every weekday morning on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter for Transits Today, where we break down the energy of the day based on the movement of the planets and start our morning off in a high vibe. All of the information we share on The Spiritual Journalist is completely free to you. So if you'd like to support more content like this, the easiest way to do so is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Head over to The Spiritual Shop on our website and buy yourself a little something. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can buy me a coffee to fuel future live streams. 
Just tap the link in the description or head to buymeacoffee.com and search The Spiritual Journalist. I'm so grateful you found us here and I can't wait for our next conversation.